Hey all, this is the Flip-Flop Experience Podcast. I'm your host, Leah Thrapp, an entrepreneur who turned my love of travel into a career. Travel is not just a hobby, it's a way of life. Making it happen can be tough. I'm here to offer practical advice to make travel more achievable. This isn't just about my journey, it's about inspiring you to pursue adventure and explore the world on your terms. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see, so... No, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Hello, and welcome to the Flip Flop Experience Podcast. I am here with my special guest, Gabriella, and she is an expert in travel, travel with kids, and finding the best places to stay. So I'm really excited to chat with her today. Welcome, Gabby. Thanks for having me. So we became friends on the internet and recently finally became friends in real life. (laughs) But when I found you on the internet, I was so fascinated with what you do with your company. So can you tell us a little bit about how you got the idea to start your business and what you do? Absolutely. So I, if I just boil it down, I get to tell stories for a living. And I never really thought that was a job. I think when I was in college, I wanted to be a broadcast journalist. I always traveled. My, my parents were in travel. My dad was a tour operator. You know, we were like the kids that complained that we wanted to go to Disney, but they would be like, no, 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 we're going to go to Morocco. Like, so we, we kind of grew up just if, if there was a flight, we were on it, you know, and that kind of thing. So, you know, when I graduated college, I was like, I really love traveling. And my dad said, all right, while you pursue this news thing, you know, in quotes, why don't you just take a job at this company I know of? And the travel company and, you know, you just get some benefits and you, you know, get your feet wet and all that kind of stuff. And it just became a career very quickly. You know, I, I was enchanted. They were sending me out on trips and they were putting me in charge of things. And, and I had a bit of a marketing, you know, marketing savvy in my head. And um, just that just kind of came from my dad. And, you know, I, I spent a couple of years there kind of learning how the corporate world works, figured out I absolutely couldn't stand it, and then had an opportunity to work with one hotel uh, who hired me away. And one became two, two became three. <laughs> and I get to have the honor of working with tourism boards, hotels and companies all over the world. And I handle their sales and marketing. So that means I uh, travel is very visual, but, you know, there's an, uh, a huge audio component to that, too. You know, right. we tell stories and, and dreams. So that's what I get to do, promote fabulous places around the world um, and encourage people not only to think about going going to a place, but to understand why they would go. Yes, I love that about following you on social media and getting to see those stories and you sharing the, the different places that you can stay and go. It's so nice to have the first person account that you give whenever you go visit and you continuously share the stories because you're going to a lot of places that people might not have an idea in their head of what it is going to be like or what it's going to look like or what do you do there if it feels really exotic to them. You came up with this idea of your 48-hour power jaunts, which just caught my attention on social media when I became your friend and started following you. So can you tell me how your idea for those came about and what your thought process is when you when you take one? Absolutely. Yeah, I was always traveling a lot with my daughter and um, more so after I got divorced. So, you know, we always kind of have this tendency to pack a lot in a very, very short journey because I do like to travel. Uh, I like to have a lot of different trips to look forward to throughout the year. So one day we had, you know, we were on a boat in Scotland looking for the Loch Ness Monster on a trip that was only two days in, in length. And um, I was thinking and reflecting of what we had done on that trip. We had accomplished a heck of a lot. And I sort of was like, wow, I, I, could, I could package these and I could make them a thing for people that feel that they, they don't have enough time to travel. 
Um, so the name just kind of came to me. I discussed it with her. I think she was seven or eight at the time. And she's like, yeah, that sounds great. So, <laughs> you know, cool name. And I, it was just really like living, living these journeys and then kind of putting them together for people that otherwise feel that they don't have the time to travel. So basically, we give you the trip of a lifetime in just two days in any city around the world. If you just have a weekend or if you're an entrepreneur and you have a crazy schedule and just have a Tuesday to a Thursday to travel, right. we can do it that way, too. Um, so, yeah, it became kind of a thing. It caught a bit of fire. And um, it's been a lot of fun because I actually I take them all the time. So I, I prove to people it can be done. And people who take them are, are just having a wonderful time doing things they never thought were, were possible. Yeah, I definitely think that it wouldn't occur to someone that they could visit. I mean, if you're from the States, they wouldn't think that they could cover very much in Scotland on a weekend in 48 hours. But you do show that you can right. do a lot if you hit the ground running. Absolutely. It all can be done. And it's just having an open mind. I always say if you can just make it through those first two days, you're going to be fine for the rest of the trip. But I also sometimes look back over the last couple of days when I first get somewhere and I'm amazed by how much you could see and do in those first couple of days when people think that you have to, you know, take naps and rest because you have jet lag. But I'm like, push through. You can do it. <laughs> so speaking of the 48 hour jaunts, where is your favorite place? Where do you think are some of the best places to start taking those types of trips? tough question, um, but I will, I'll do my best. I'm <laughs> always partial to Lisbon. Um, you know, I'm half Portuguese and it's, you know, because it's so far West in Europe, it's in kind of an easier flight um, mm -hmm. than a lot of other places. And it's just so rich in culture and the food is amazing. And I believe it's one of the last true great values in Europe that still exists. So I always find that there's, there's a heck of a lot to do if it's just Lisbon that you're going to stay in for a little bit of a weekend. I think it's a fabulous place to kind of get your feet wet for Europe. And of course, you know, London, I mean, there's just a ton to do. There's, I mean, I would say there's probably more flights there from the U.S. than anywhere. True, yeah. Um, and it's amazing for kids, amazing for adults. It's, I think, they're just a fabulous walking city. And um, there's always something new to discover, even if you've been 20 times. Yeah, there's a lot going on there for sure. I haven't been to Lisbon yet. I really want to go to mainland Portugal. It's on my list and I've never been. So I'll have to get your tips when I head that way. Happy to help. I went to the Azores, which I think would probably make a really good 48-hour jaunt because it's only halfway across the ocean from the East Coast to the U.S. And you can go there. You know, I think it's like a five-hour flight from the East Coast. Have you been to the Azores? I have. Yeah. And it's kind of like the Hawaii of the Atlantic, I'd say. Yeah. <laughs> people are very, very shocked when they get there. And that's, that's kind of what I love about travel, too, is just that, you know, blowing people's minds and and creating you know, just new ideas and, and new new ways to sort of get out of your comfort zone and do things that you would not expect you could do. And the Azores is a wonderful place for that. I agree. I think that travel when you're happy, travel when you're sad, travel when things are easy or hard because there's there is something so healing about just get, even if it is just for a weekend, just getting out of your comfort zone and your normal everyday surroundings and just doing something new. Change of scenery always helps. So how old was your daughter when you started really traveling with her? Um, well, she was three weeks old when we took her on her first flight. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. And then it just grew from there. So we always did travel. I mean, she was, I laughed and I, they did an article about this. She was, you know, AA platinum by the time she was one and a half. Oh, nice. <laughs> that was, that was a, she wasn't the youngest guest, but she was one of them. And, you know, I, I've since changed airline alliances. So that's been interesting too in itself. But getting her used to it and just getting getting the, you know, the understanding of, of that there is no such thing as jet lag. To your point, you land, you go, mm -hmm. you fall asleep. And I think the earlier you do that with, with kids, not only does it promote a, a beautiful cultural understanding. Like my daughter, for instance, she's 15 now. She doesn't see color. She never did. You know, when we traveled, it was like, okay, this person, that person, I'll play with any kid that's on the playground. 
you know, or she tried different foods and right. I mean, knock on wood, I was like, I think from all the time on cleans and you could probably attest to this, she rarely gets sick, you know, like she built up a, quite a bit of immunity from the time we were taking her to Africa when she was, you know, like younger than one. So I think it was always just the exposure to people, the exposure to different elements that mm-hmm. has made, I think, her body strong and a strong mind and a, and a yearning for wanting to understand other things besides just the bubble that these kids live in today. Yeah, I always say people think that they can't travel with little kids. They say, I have to wait till they're older. You know, I'm worried about jet lag. And I say, no one's more flexible than than a baby. They handle jet lag, I think, way better than most adults. Adults stress about it. And I tell you, yeah. there, there is that moment when you're, you know, a parent of a, of a young baby and they no longer fit in the bassinet on the plane. Then you might have a mini <laughs> freak out. Yeah. Then yeah. there's a transformation that has to take place. But kids are, you know, just, we always say incredibly resilient and they're interested and, you know, they might have a day or two where they're a little bit off or they don't eat well and that right. kind of thing. But, you know, and the, the reward is far greater. And flexibility is a good skill to develop early. Absolutely. Being able to adapt and, and also just being put in situations that are not in a kid's comfort zone. Right. You know, going somewhere maybe they don't feel as interesting, but maybe they start to learn that it is interesting, that kind of thing, or having patience, you know, in a line. Those are all skills that right. you need in life. And I find Lots of times you get them with travel. I agree. And I think kids can realize, too, when they're they're pushed out of their comfort zone early and often is they learn that it's really not that bad. You know, kids that are willing to just take a bite of any food. So I always tell my kids, I'm like, what's the worst thing that's going to happen if you eat this thing that you think doesn't sound good or doesn't look good? Because the worst thing that's going to happen is you don't like that bite and you don't have to eat it anymore. <laughs> you know, so I think it gives them perspective. I see kids that are just like afraid to taste something like, ah, they think it's going to be so awful. But we always just tell them, like, what's the worst thing? And it's good to to just try things and just go somewhere and just do it and then realize that most things that are scary aren't that bad. Absolutely. Or that people live differently. And I think I was just having a conversation before we chatted with our client in Ecuador. And when I had gone, they were asking me kind of what I had learned from my trip. And mm-hmm. even so just I learned again as an adult not to waste, not to waste food because everything, you know, I was in someone's right. kitchen cooking and it was don't don't throw this out because it can be used for something else. And I, I think if kids learn that kind of stuff a little bit early or the value of hard work through seeing somebody, you know, actually working very hard every day to create a craft that we take for granted, that kind of thing. It could just be an amazing, impactful thing that they can carry with them later in life. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Yeah, and I think that lesson of everybody doesn't live the same, but it's not a bad thing. You know, just being around people and seeing that in really different circumstances, people can be content or people can be happy. And there's not only one way to do things. Absolutely. I fully agree. I think travel teaches that like no other lesson in the world. Do you have any tips for people when they're starting to travel with kids? Is there anything that you learned that you think is invaluable? You know, many, many things. But I think, it, you know, it comes down to how the, the kids react, how the parents behave. I think. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and exactly what you said. I think if, if somebody is stressed about like I get people coming to me all the time and saying, oh, my gosh, well, we're going to go to Orlando. We're doing the Disney thing. When should I book the flight so that they can make sure their nap schedule is not disrupted? And I'm like, whoa, whoa you're not ready for Disney at all. <laughs> I, I think you better, you know, rethink this People tend to get so hung up on schedules. And I think the best thing you can do when you're traveling is, you know, have some goals and have things you want to do. But realize, you know, kids also at the same time do operate on their own schedule. Kids sometimes get sick, you know, kids sometimes get cranky. Be a little bit flexible, but know that you have some goals that you want to achieve. You know what I mean? And like you said, just sleep when it's dark. 
Yes. Don't sleep during the day, that kind of thing. Um, and just live live as if that's where you are at the moment. You know, like I, I don't believe in in kind of holding into that, you know, a time zone. You're just, just living in, in the moment. But I think no matter how many game books you bring on board, no matter how many books you expect them to read, <laughs> they probably will want their iPad. They will want your phone, you know, and just right. suck it up. Don't worry about that kind of stuff. Just do what you can to get through a flight. Don't put so much expectation on the kid to do certain things during a flight. Just let them get through it. Oh, I totally agree on the flight thing. The screen time is like, yeah. my kids think the plane is so fun because it's unlimited screen time and unlimited stacks. So like, what could be wrong? I really don't like to fly very much, but my son surprised me recently when somebody was talking about all the flights that they take, and he said, oh, the flights are one of my favorite parts. And I said, really? Because he'd never said that to me before. I said, why? He was like, so many good snacks and have my own screen with my own controller with video games and movies. I, and I was like, oh, okay, well, I guess I'm glad you like that. Yeah, I right. think just disengage. Like, my rule on vacation with my daughter is there are no rules. So if you want to have ice cream twice a day, yeah, that's going to happen. It's fine. Because, you know, you're you're experiencing and you're trying new things. So right. I think just not being extremely rigid, you know, having goals, of course, and keeping to them, but letting the small stuff be the small stuff it will help your everybody's journey be a little bit smoother. And I think that when you're in Italy, it should actually be a rule that you eat gelato twice a day. So you have to have, I, I agree. have I, I important goals. For my <laughs> I adhere to it all the time. It's a, it's a very no important a very important part of the experience. I think I when, one of the things that we do, we definitely allow extra screen time when we're traveling because our kids in America are not used to dinner taking three hours. So when you're in Italy or Spain or something and, you know, these long dinners... Um, it's a lot to ask them to sit through every night when you're staying in a hotel and eating out every time and that kind of thing. So we will allow it. But what we do that has worked really well for us is to they can have their iPad or their phone or whatever they're holding when we're walking through a museum or we're on a walking tour or whatever. But my rule is they can only use it for pictures and videos. Then they can edit them and they can play with it with, you know, kid apps, but they're still engaging and paying attention to what we're doing. But they feel like they have control and we're not saying no. Yeah, giving them just a little bit of power, you know, to and then I think as they get older, what I really love is when you just put stuff in the hands of them. They can't plan everything. But I right. love when I can ask my daughter, what are, what are your goals for that? Like, we're going to visit this city. What do you want to do? And most of it comes from TikTok. That's fine. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so sometimes it is a little fun to put, put them in the driver's seat, too, you know, so that everybody is making sure that everybody's happy. And I love sometimes the things that they find to be the most interesting or the most memorable are things that you don't expect. To me, that's one of the best things about traveling with your kids is having that other perspective of the things that they notice or the things they pay attention to that you might just gloss right over and then they draw attention to it or they stop and, you know, really engage with something. And I love I love getting that experience from multiple points of views, you know, when you're traveling with your kids. I think you're so right. Sometimes we go back and we talk about things and I like it, my daughter will have, yeah, stories and recollections of some place that I don't recall at all. Like, remember yeah. when we ate that dish and you, know, you, you made that face? And I'm like, no, I don't, you know? <laughs> so every time I order that dish, she reminds me, you didn't like it. There. And that kind of thing. It, it's beautiful, you know, the, yes. the things they take away and any child you can travel, I think, is extremely, extremely lucky. So I know you're also a super light packer since you do a lot of quick trips and things like that. Do you have any super great packing tips that we should know for when you're taking a trip and things you should bring or not bring or gear that you need? I think, you know, always look at the, the fabric of clothing and, and always realize, like, no matter what you're going to take, realize that it's OK to wear the same jeans two or three times. Right. You know, and, sure. and realize that you don't need to 
you know, eight pairs of leggings. Uh, you can ring three, like that kind of thing. I always say just put, put things in your bag that fold nicely, that don't wrinkle, like clothing that's, that's purposeful, clothing that's very basic and that can be mixed and matched. Um, if you're a woman, do a heck of a lot of sundresses that don't wrinkle and you can just use again and again. Mm -hmm. um, but I always take the baby wipes with me. Baby wipes can work miracles on your travels. Oh, they, nice. can, they can be your savior more so than sanitizer. I think baby wipes are tremendous and they can solve a, a whole host of problems. And I, you know, just always remember, you're probably going to come back and not use, I would say, 40 or 50 percent of what you packed. Right. So go through the motion. That's what you need to do. You really need to bring 10 outfits. You need to do it once or twice. <laughs> yes. And then try it either way. And I think you'll see a difference. And then, of course, you know, I mean, I know you go on much longer trips than me, but I just make it a rule never to check a bag. And that's just me. Right? Yeah, we had a recent episode called Team Death Before Checked Bags. We do the <laughs> same thing. We will not check a bag. We are all about the carry-on only. I tell people, I think that what you said is right. You try it a few times, but when you practice and you go on more trips, you start to realize that there was something that you packed the last three times and never worn. You didn't. You never put that sweater on or whatever. And so you've got to remove it from your bag. And the more you lug it around, especially like for me with the long trips, the more you carry it over and over and that bag's so heavy and you have these things in that you didn't use, you start to really evaluate if you really need it or not, the fourth time that you go to pack the bag and you you know you lugged it around for no reason. So I think paying attention to what goes in there, what you actually used, will help you learn how to cull out the things that aren't useful. And you know what's also really helpful? I mean, if you're not using a travel planner like yourself, uh, then doing some research. Like I have a friend, I always laugh at this, and she went on her honeymoon and they were in Santorini and she brought like five pairs of high heels. Oh. Now, you tell me where you're going to go in Santorini and wear high heels. There is nowhere. You can you're just going to. Especially if you want to go out to these beautiful villages and go out to dinner and you're going to sweat like crazy. Like, right. give me a break. No, and she, but she had to bring them. I want to look fabulous. And it's like, there is no way. So I laugh. And sometimes I just I'm like, you do what you need to do, but you're going to realize very soon. So be aware of where you're going the terrain also. Yes. And, you know, where, like, if you're not so far, you're going to get dirty. You're going to bring mm -hmm. boots that you just want to hose down, you know, and don't bring your Louis Vuitton sneakers. You know, that's <laughs> not a good idea. Be aware of where you're going and that kind of thing. And, and then I think, you know, just by nature of that, realize that, especially in Europe, it's not, I mean, it could be a fashion show, but most of the time when you're traveling, it's not. Right. Wear sneakers. They'll get you around. Yeah, I think that the only place I would go if I wore high heels in Santorini would be the ER for snapping my ankle. So... <laughs> <laughs> That's the only place I would get to see inside Santorini. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So just have an awareness. Well, this was a great episode, and I really appreciate you joining me. I hope that um, people will go and check out your podcast as well. I know you have one. You want to tell us the name of your podcast and a little about it? Yeah, sure. So we do a podcast called X8, and it really just focuses on, we, we used to just talk about eight things that were fabulous, but now sometimes these conversations get a little bit more involved. But it's really fun. We talk to general managers of hotels all over the world and we get everything from their perspective. And what's interesting about GMs is that they're involved in everything, right? They, and it's, it's amazing they can even find time to talk to us because they don't get any time off. But yeah. so many times they are expats. So it's interesting to, to also hear this story of like, you know, how does a Swiss person uh, fit into Japan? Or how does somebody who comes from a very, you know, free-flowing, fun country come to a different type of style of life, you know, where, where there are no amenities and that kind of thing. And it's very remote. So we get to talk about destinations, but also just, you know, a slice of life. So it's, it's a lot of fun. That sounds awesome. Well, I hope people will check it out. And thanks for being here. Happy adventuring. Thank you. Thanks for being part of the Flip Flop experience. Make sure to subscribe and follow on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok at Flip Flops and Adventures. 